0: Let's pray. Gracious God, Holy Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your Son, Christ Jesus, and thank you for the resurrection. By the power of the Holy Spirit, let us be moved by your love, by your steadfast love for us, that we may be filled with a living hope and a joy. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so there is a very common mindset in America nowadays. And it is uh, epitomized by this phrase, and I think you're going to be able to fill in the blanks here. In this life, there are only two things that are certain. Death and taxes, right? Right, That that is kind of the epitome of of the mindset in America today. And if all that there is is death and taxes, then it follows that we should eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we die, right? And that is the mindset that we have in America right now. And if you actually follow this mindset, it ultimately leads to death, destruction, anarchy, the things that we are actually seeing in our culture to this very day. And it can't help but affect, and sometimes even infect, Christians. There are many Christians who go around with this kind of dark cloud over their head. It's almost as if their faith has stopped at the cross. Their faith has stopped where there is death. And for many people, there is no Easter, there is no resurrection, there is no joy, there is no hope, because that culture can certainly infect and affect many Christians to this day. But as we've been talking about in this particular series, the resurrection is central to our faith. Without the gospel, there is no Christianity But for those in Christ Jesus, there is a resurrection, and there is a resurrection to your glory. So I want to give you a different phrase to think about. There are two certainties, death and the resurrection. And if you have that in your mind, you will have a whole different mindset about what it means to live in this world and what it also means to be a Christian. Because for those in Christ Jesus, there is a resurrection of the body, a body that is glorified. Now I have to admit, going through seminary, sitting where you are in the pews, I've never really heard much about the resurrection other than Easter. I, I just haven't. I haven't heard a sermon series about the resurrection. I haven't done it as well. So we. it's been wonderful to dig in and start to realize the reality of the resurrection. So this morning, here's our roadmap, if you will, kind of in two parts. The body will be raised, but first it must die all according to God's plan and glory. So that's kind of the first section. The body will be raised, but first it must die, all according to God's plan and glory. Then the body will be glorified, and we shall all bear the image of Christ. That's where we're going this morning. So let us begin with the body will be raised. We are in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, starting with verse 39. But someone will ask, how are the dead raised? With what kind of body do they come? You foolish person, what you sow does not come to life unless it dies. So when you think of the bodily resurrection, I just like you to think to yourself, what images or what questions come to mind? Because bodily resurrection, we don't see that every single day, do we? And so for some people of a certain era, we might think of like the movie or the book Frankenstein, the dead coming back to life, or Dracula, or I suppose in the 50s, the silly ones, the mummy, right? You get all those movies. I always think of Abbott Constello with that. those. But for this generation, the younger generation, do you know what it is? Zombies, yes. The Walking Dead, I mean, that series, I don't know if it's, I never watched it, but I mean, when you think about the resurrection of that body, it's pretty darn gross, isn't it? So, yuck, I mean, that's evil. But then there's other people who say, well, the body is, uh, that's just going to decay, that's evil. What's left with is just the spirit. The body is just a husk that's thrown away, and thus we have this wisp of a spirit or ghost or something like that, right? It gets a little new-agey there. And I have to tell you, this idea that maybe the body is evil because it's material is not a new thing. You can actually trace that all the way back to Gnosticism. Gnostics thought that anything that was material, that is of this earth, was Of evil, and that the only way really to ascend was to leave everything that was material and spiritual only. So you get that there's a whole wide spectrum of this, right? Even with Christians, there's a whole wide spectrum. Paul was dealing with this as he went on his missionary journeys, he had to deal with uh, philosophies too, in Acts. Chapter 17, it says, Some of the Epicurean and Stoic philosophers also conversed with him. And some said, and I love it, here's what they said, What does this babbler wish to say? So Paul, to them, was just a babbler. Others said, He seems to be a preacher of foreign uh, divinities because he was preaching about Jesus and the resurrection. Even within the Jewish community, There were the Pharisees who believed in the resurrection. There were the Sadducees who did not. Paul was even put on trial by the Sadducees. And in Acts 23, it says, Now when Paul perceived that one part were Sadducees and the other were Pharisees, he cried out to the council, Brothers, I am a Pharisee, son of a Pharisee. It is with respect to the hope of the resurrection of the dead that I am on trial. And when he said this, a dissension arose between the Pharisees and Sadducees, and the assembly was divided. For the Sadducees say, There is no resurrection, nor angel, nor spirit, but the Pharisees acknowledge them all. So sure was Paul of the resurrection of the body that he was willing to stand trial for it. And yet right there's still a lot of like wondering about what actually happens what occurs there's still a lot of skepticism yes jesus died rose again and i don't know then you know that's kind of like where we go and i don't know i'm just going to trust so there are two questions right how are the dead raised and what kind of body do they come now there are people who they really haven't tried to do it with me, but other pastors, they'll come up and say, well, pastor, what if a ship full of people sank at the bottom of the ocean? It was torn apart, and all these bodies were spewed apart, and you had somebody's leg bone over here and somebody's arm bone over there. What would happen then? Or other people do come up, and they say, well, what about if a body's burned beyond recognition? Or, and then we do actually talk about cremation. Right? And you think, you've got those questions, right? Paul actually said, and I don't say this insulting you, but he did say, Oh, foolish ones, have you not thought this through? God, who created everything out of nothing, is going to be, uh, pro- it's, it's a problem to say this bone belongs to this bone. Or this atom belongs to this atom, or this molecule to this molecule? Do you think God is so small that he can't raise you from the dead? So then he goes on to explain this, right? By the way, this was a really hard sermon to work on because it takes a lot of thinking through. So if your brain starts to hurt anywhere along the way, join the club. So let's work our way through. Paul uses the analogy of planting seeds. He says, What you sow does not come to life unless it dies. What you sow does not come to life, uh, uh, sorry, repeated, and what you sow is not the body that is to be, but a bare kernel, perhaps of wheat or some other grain. So, everybody who is a farmer or has planted anything, knows that you have to take a seed and that seed actually has to die, so to speak, before the plant can arise. So Paul is saying up front, the body must die before it comes to full fruition. For there to be a resurrection, the body must die. So now here we need to dig in a little bit more, because when you take a look at a seed of wheat, and then you take a look at the plant, and you kind of go, but, but it's not the same thing, but it is the same thing, right? So commentators have really said, well, there's a continuity and a discontinuity. The continuity is that when you have a seed of wheat, it's wheat, right? Right? It's not anything else. It's wheat. And that wheat becomes a full plant, and that full plant is also wheat. So there's continuity. But there's a discontinuity, because what you start with is not what you end with. Uh, I also use the example here of an acorn, because sometimes that's a little easier to see. The acorn, right? Small little acorn. Turns out to be this majestic huge oak tree. Now, is the acorn an oak tree? It is an oak tree. I mean, there can't be anything but an oak tree and the oak tree. But so there's a continuity, right? There's continuity between one and the other, but there's a discontinuity because the acorn certainly doesn't look ultimately like the oak tree. Following same thing with human beings. I can take a look at pictures from my past and say, that's Clayton, that's Clayton, that's Clayton, that's Clayton, but I'm not the same man I was. Now, just for fun, I actually do have pictures. And there are some of Heidi in here. I cleared it with her, okay? So there's me when I was maybe six, seven, okay? And that's Clayton. And then there's that weird guy with a mustache, And glasses. Yes, that's Clayton, too. And then uh, 2008, that's an anniversary picture. We were out to dinner. 2012, with family, right? Our daughter. I didn't clear it with her. I'll ask for forgiveness later. Uh, And then that's me. Now, (laughs) except for the guy with the mustache, you can always say, well, that's Clayton, that's Clayton, that's Clayton, that's Clayton. But I'm not the same person I was, right? And it's the same thing with our faith, by the way. I can stand here and tell you truthfully, I am not the same person I was before I was in Christ. In Christ Jesus, I'm a new creation. The old is past, behold, the new has come. As a matter of fact, we have that as a banner. When you first walk in, if you haven't noticed it, go take a look. In Christ Jesus, you are a new creation. Now, am I still Clayton? Yeah, I am Clayton, but I'm not the man I used to be. So there's a continuity, but there's a discontinuity. So you can understand this. Our body is not the full fruition which we have with Christ Jesus in heaven. And this is all according to God's plan and glory it goes on but god gives it a body as he has chosen and to each kind of seed its own body we're not all flesh is the same but there's one kind of human one kind for humans another for animals another for birds another for fish look paul's not trying to do a biology lesson here he's not trying to delineate all of the different categories that they have regarding biology what he's doing is saying this, is God has designed things from the beginning, and each seed will grow into the design that he chose. For example, from that little tiny, tiny, tiny egg comes this beautiful hummingbird. I don't know about you, but to me, hummingbirds are just beautiful. And although I haven't seen dragonflies here back in Minnesota when you're fishing and you don't catch anything and the dragonfly, you know, sits on your rod mocking you. But you, you, take, <laughs> that's true. you take a look at those beautiful gossamer wings, and they're just a beauty to behold. And we take a look maybe at the, the strength of a lion or how fast a cheetah can run. But it's just not earthly things too, right? We take a look up at the sky and we take a look at the Milky Way and all of the galaxies and don't you just start to marvel at all of God's creation and his glory that you see. That's why the song, How Great Thou Art, is so wonderful. O Lord my God, when I in awesome wonder consider all the works thy hands have made, I see the stars, I hear the rolling thunder, thy power throughout the universe displayed. Then sings my soul, my Savior God to thee, how great thou art, how great thou art. This is what Paul is getting at. God has designed this, and there is a certain glory associated with things. In verse 40, he says, there are heavenly bodies and earthly bodies, but the glory of the heavenly is of one kind, and the glory of the earth is another Take a look at the, the Grand Canyon, and there's a beauty of the Grand Canyon. There's one glory of the sun and another glory of the moon and another glory of the stars, for stars differ from star in glory. Use that word quite a bit, right? Glory. Glory. As a matter of fact, it's going to be associated with our bodies later on. Glorified bodies. So let's just take a moment and understand, what does glory mean? So in one sense, it is the majesty, the splendor, the beauty, the brilliance of God. The majesty, splendor, beauty, and brilliance of God. But it also encompasses His holiness, His righteousness, His salvation. Our redemption, His very name is holy. It is of glory. This is the glory of God. And all of creation, including us, reflect His glory. And in the resurrection of our bodies, we will be given a glorified body. Going on with the text. So it is with the resurrection of the dead. What is sown is perishable. What is raised is imperishable. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. If there is a natural body, there's also a spiritual body. Now, this can kind of be a little hard to take in, but Paul's just doing a compare and contrast here. That's all he's doing. So you've got this. It's in the sermon notes. He's comparing the earthly with the heavenly. He's saying what is sown is perishable. What is raised is imperishable. So think about the first Adam, Adam and Eve. They were created in God's image with a perfect body. Not a glorified body, but a perfect body. There were no aches, no pains. So even from there, we have to say, well, the original design is that the body was good, not evil. And that gives you a different perspective. The body is good, not evil. So that's how it was in the beginning. But, as you know, Adam and Eve sinned. And the wages of sin is what? Death, right? So what is sown is perishable. Death came into the world. And there was heartache. There was toil. There was hardship. There was a corruption of the image of God. We still bear that image, but it is corrupted through and through. You can see that from a moral standpoint you can also see that our bodies have been corrupted through and through. Our DNA and genes and things that start to shift. And you know this from your own bodies, right? That song, Head, Shoulders, Knees and Toes, takes on a whole different meaning when a certain age arrives. One guy said, yeah, head, that's it. So we know that, right? Right? But we are in bondage to that corruption. And from dust we came and to dust we return. That we are perishable. But what is raised is imperishable. It doesn't mean that we are immortal apart from God. So don't get that idea. Don't get that we are become gods ourselves. That's not it at all. But we do have eternal life with him. That's the promise because of God and his power. Now, it also says it's sown in dishonor. So after sin had entered into the world, we are all conceived and born in sin. David said this, Psalm 51, Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity. In sin did my mother conceive me. So we are born, we are sown in dishonor, but we are raised in glory. In the glory of Christ Jesus, you know what? We are washed clean. We are given robes of righteousness. It is that glory that we receive. And then it says it is sown in weakness. And we've already covered the body will die. It is weak. It will die. In fact, it must die. For there to be a resurrection, the body must die but then it is raised in a power by God and given a glorified state that is unknown to us at this time. And finally, there's a natural body and a spiritual body. But again, don't get the idea. Paul's not talking about, well, there's this natural body here and then this wisp of a spiritual body. He says, no, there's a body and then there's a spiritual body. One for earth, one in the heavenly estate. Verse 45, he says, Thus it is written, the first Adam became a living being, and the last Adam became a life-giving spirit. But it is not the spiritual that is first, but the natural, and then the spiritual. The first man was from the earth, a man of dust. The second man is from heaven. So we inherited our earthly bodies all the way back from Adam. He is the first Adam. Who, by the way, is the last Adam? Jesus. Jesus is the last Adam. And in the last Adam, there is the promise of life everlasting. We covered this before and it bears repeating. Jesus said, I am... The resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. So this is the promise that we have. Listen, listen to what Peter wrote to the Christians who were dispersed. This is from 1 Peter. He wrote to the Christians that were dispersed, that were in a very difficult situation because Christianity was not looked upon kindly at all. He says this, I'm going to read verse 3 through 5, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept for you in heaven, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. Peter is writing to the Christians. He's saying, you know what? Even though you might be behind enemy lines, even though the culture rejects Christ Jesus, You, you, brothers and sisters, have a living hope because of the resurrection. Because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. that hope, that inheritance is kept for you and it is imperishable, undefiled, unfading, kept in heaven. I mean, these, are, these should be joyful, exciting words for you. But if you're like me, you still might want to know, what will our body be like? Right? Don't you want to know? Can I get rid of my glasses? Will my back stop hurting? Will I be the weight that I really wanted to be in a long time? You know, can I reach and bend... And, by the way, I can touch my toes. Okay? But, you know, we, we want to know all of that. Now, on, on the much more compassionate side, for children who've died, we, we do want to know, well, are, are they going to be babies, or are they going to be, like, teenagers or young adults? So I thought I'd give you the definitive answer to all of this. Ready? We don't know. We we don't know. Scripture doesn't tell us. I mean, there's a lot of speculation, right? And you're going to find book after book a book about speculation. But here's what we do know. That you will be recognizable to one another. Whatever the glorified body state is, you will be recognizable to one another. When Jesus rose from the grave, I believe his body was in a glorified state. And he was recognizable to others, wasn't he? He spoke with them. He sat with them. He ate with them. He even made breakfast for them. He also still bore the scars on his body. At the same time, His body was different because it was not limited by space or time. So there is the promise of a glorified body that will be different. And I know it's hard to wrap our minds around it. I mean, go back to the acorn, right? If you take a look at an acorn, you don't automatically imagine the oak tree but you see the glory of the oak tree. It's the same thing when I was young. When I was 10, I thought, man, when I get to be 18, I'll have it made. And apparently I grew a mustache. So, yeah, right? I just realized it's live streaming. It's going to be up there all the time. Oh, yeah. But when I got to be 18, I thought, well, this isn't it. Huh. And I still didn't know. And now uh, I'll be 61 coming up in July. And I feel like I'm just starting to figure it out. Just starting. So there's a glory, there's a joy that occurs. I do know one thing, though, that you and I will bear the image of Christ Jesus. Jesus. You will, we will bear the image of Christ Jesus. As the man was of dust, so also are those who are of the dust. And as the man of heaven, so also are those who are of heaven. Just as we have been born, just as we have borne the image of the man of dust, we shall also bear the image of the man of heaven. John MacArthur puts it this way. He paraphrases verse 48. Adam was created for the earth. Christ in his resurrection was given a body fitted for the spiritual dimension of heaven and eternity. And when we are in Adam, we receive the Adam, we receive from Adam Adam his body, and in Christ from his body. So in heaven, we too shall bear the image of Christ Jesus. So what does it mean to be the image bearer of Christ Jesus? Well, it means to bear his traits, his characteristics. It's not like we're all going to look like Jesus Christ. But you know people who are right now this day in Christ Jesus, and they do bear his characteristics, his traits of love, grace, mercy, zeal for the Lord. These are all the traits of a bearer of the image of Christ Jesus here And we can expect that yet in a glorified state with him in the heavenly places. And this is what Paul wrote to the the Philippians. He says, But our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body. Brothers and sisters, In this day and age, there is a lot of darkness abounding. Do not let that affect or infect you. Have your faith, not only of the cross, but of Easter, of the resurrection. Have a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, Undefiled, unfading, kept for you in heaven. And when you hold fast to that, you know what you have? Joy. You have joy and peace that is not bound by the circumstances of this life. Amen. Amen.